Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is focused on one of the 12 steps of AA. John Glenn taught the steps to the church because Alpha Ministries contends that all people need recovery from something. And the 12 steps is the best program out there and mostly reflects the idea of discipleship and relationship Jesus had in mind. Enjoy and glean from the messages. Holy Spirit, label our parts here. We'll use this later. In this diagram that you're all really familiar with, who is blameless? Hmm. So the very first requirement for you to minister to other people is you got to be this new person. Now, is that requirement met in you or not? See, here's where our confusion comes. So the big problem here is that if we identify ourselves as the flesh, we're blamed for everything. Okay, it's our fault. Identify yourself as a new person, you're blameless. Okay, so generically, here's the way I'm answering that, that issue, is that it's a matter of faith and believing who you are, okay? And not just believing who you are in terms of your recognition of your own identity, but also believing what God says is true. Because, see, your job is to tell people the truth, not just to believe it, but to tell people the truth. Now, whether you're believing it or not, it's still the truth. Okay? So whether you can live it or not, it's still the truth. The best way to deal with that conflict that you're mentioning, David, is to recognize by walking in the light, remember that's one of the main concepts we talked about, that you don't live it out all the time in the flesh. Okay, that your flesh freaks every day. Your flesh screws up every day. Your flesh never has quit sinning. Nothing happened to your flesh. When you were born of the Spirit, a new person was created. The old man that produced that flesh was crucified with Christ. But nothing happened to that flesh. Not yet. Now, it's doomed. Because when this body goes to dust, that flesh is history. It's gone. Okay, so it's doomed. But right now, it's very much alive. It's still kicking. Okay, and it's warring against the one who is blameless. You, the new person you are in Christ, led by the Spirit. So, in the battle between the new person you are in the flesh can only be won by the power of the indwelling Spirit. Okay, so when it comes to your ministry, this is why everything hinges, as we're going to talk about tonight, as a matter of fact, everything hinges on your conscious contact with God, step 11, the leadership and power of the Spirit. 
Okay. generalize that now, carry it a step further. No human being can say to another, I don't have the flesh like you. Okay, that's the whole point. I'm not dysfunctional like you. In fact, when they talk about this in, in that chapter on uh, working with others, chapter 7 in the big book, I highly recommend you all read that because it's a very profound chapter on the 12 step. Okay, and they talk about specifically about that, that you don't talk down from this high point of spiritual or moral high ground that you're talking down to the people you're trying to help. Okay, that's not the way you deal with this issue of blameless, not the way you deal with this conflict. The way you deal with it is you talk transparently. And what does that mean? You're honest about your own flesh. See, that's what, that's what benefits people more than anything. Get honest and real about your own flesh and your battle with your own flesh. But more important than that, God's answer, his comfort, his power dealing with your own flesh. There's your power of your testimony. Because what is it going to take for someone to get better? They're going to have to have God deal with their flesh. God is going to have to do for them what they can't do for themselves, just like he does for you what you can't do for yourself. So who's the counselor here? God. Who's the one that gets everybody better? God. He's the only one that can do it. Okay, so only when you get caught and, and sucked into that codependent trap where you put yourself in the place of God, either seeking the glory for helping someone, okay, where you put yourself in the place of God because you like the way people respond to you, okay, to get your strokes from being like God. When you put yourself in that place, you're in a very dangerous place, you become codependent, okay, because now whether this person gets better or not is really up to you. In this seventh chapter there in working with others and the 12th step and discussing the 12th step is all about that. So I highly recommend that you all read that chapter. Now, purposely, I have not gone just specifically through the book and read the book to you because you can obviously read it yourself. But uh, So these sessions that we're recording, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not using that methodology. So what I'm doing is adding to that and trying to expand it and connect it with what you've already learned in the Alpha series. All right, so let's do that. When we come to the 12th step, the 12th step just simply says that having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, what steps are we talking about? Obviously, all the previous steps we've studied in this series. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we earnestly try to carry this message to others, other alcoholics in the AA program, but other dysfunctional folks anywhere to make general application. We're going to carry the message and at the same time, the 12th step says, we're also going to practice these principles. What principles? The principles we've learned in these steps. We're going to practice these 
in all our affairs, in every aspect of our life. Now, there are several important, important highlights I want to just note with you in this session tonight. The first is in the 12th step, when we come to the 12th step, being the last step, obviously, it's going to be a summary here. And the summary is the ultimate purpose, speaks to the ultimate purpose of why we do these steps in the first place. As we began to study several weeks back in our sessions, as we turn that relational corner, having dealt with God and established a relationship with him, and having also dealt with, gotten honest about our character defects and started dealing with ourselves in terms of our flesh, we then turn the corner and now we're concerned with our relationships to others. Now, in that process of turning the corner and being concerned about our relationship with others, we've had spiritual enlightenment and spiritual awakening all along. And the 12th step is a culmination of that. That's why it starts out having had the, spirit, the spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. All along in every step, you have a little spiritual enlightenment going on. All along in every step, you have more and more revelation from God about himself, about you and yourself, and about your purpose in being here. Let's just review just a couple of those just to give you the idea. Mainly, we think of the spiritual awakening. When you, when you read the, the big book and you hear people talk about it in AA and the 12 steps, you say, well, they had a spiritual awakening. Normally, that is re in reference to step three. That is the outworking, actually, of step two. Step two, after confessing that you, yourself, are powerless, you can't change yourself, your life is a mess, and there ain't anything you can do about it. You came to believe that a power greater than you could restore you to... The exercise of that authentic faith actually is a spiritual awakening. You said, aha. There is hope here. I can't change myself. I'm powerless. Other people can't change me. But there is a power greater than me that can change me. And the outworking of that spiritual awakening is demonstrated in step three, where you consciously turned your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand it. So now you put God in the driver's seat. Now God is in charge of your life. You've made a choice. God, you're in charge of all my plans. You're in charge of what I'm going to do, all my choices. You're in charge. I'm putting you in charge to run my life. I'm turning my will over to your care. And I'm turning my entire life over to you. So normally when we think of a spiritual awakening, like it says here in the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening, we go all the way back to step two and three, and we say, oh yeah, well, we came to understand that. Now remember, I've called that spiritual awakening or the spiritual experience by other terms just to help you understand it. Religious terms, religious folks call it being born again. Spiritual, biblical type folks, they would call it being saved, having a conversion experience. See, there's all different kinds of terms for it. Psychologists call it uh, various terms. Theologians call it various terms. In the big book, they just call it a spiritual awakening. You just wake up. 
Spiritually, you come alive. That occurred in steps two and three. But that's not the only spiritual awakening you had in the steps. If you go on, you remember after establishing this relationship to God in the first three steps, having this grand spiritual awakening that we normally refer to as being born again or becoming a Christian, however you want to say it. It doesn't really matter. It's just language. We think, well, that's the only spiritual awakening we've got. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's a lot more to come. When you do steps four through seven now, now we're looking at another issue altogether. You see in the first three steps, looking at our diagram on the board, you have become this new person, this brand new person created in Christ Jesus. You've had this spiritual awakening. You have exercised authentic faith and you came to believe the power greater than you could restore you to sanity and you turned your will and your life over to the care of God as you understood him because you had this spiritual awakening. But in steps four through seven now, you are looking at what you, this new person, are going to do now that you're still living in the same body you were born with that still has all the conditioning, the dysfunctional conditioning of what the Bible calls the flesh in it. Now, another term for the flesh, even though the big book doesn't use the term flesh like the Bible does, the terms that it uses are character defects, shortcomings, wrongs. In steps four through seven, you're dealing with that. So really, in steps four through seven, what you're dealing with is, biblically, the flesh. And it, again, takes, I'll remind you, it takes a spiritual awakening to deal with that. Because here's the most common mistake people make. The most common mistake we all make, and it's not just those in recovery from alcoholism or drug addiction, anyone's going to make the same mistake, and that is when you realize that you're this brand new person, when you have that spiritual awakening and you catch a glimpse of your new identity, when you realize that, immediately you get concerned about the flesh. You get concerned about your shortcomings, your character defects, your sins. Now, in religious circles, we call that being obsessed with your sins, your sin problem. Well, what am I going to do about these sins now that I'm a Christian? Now that I've had this spiritual awakening, what am I going to do about all these sins in my life? And they run around asking, is this sin? Is that sin? If you do a little bit of it, it's not sin. But if you do a lot of it, it's sin. If it feels good, it's got to be sin, right? So you, you go through all this obsession. It's going to take a spiritual awakening that is profound is a spiritual awakening that you came to recognize yourself as a new person. It's going to take a spiritual awakening for you to realize that only God can deal with your flesh, that you can't get the job done. In fact, one of the most uh, common sources of misery among those who have had a spiritual awakening is they actually believe that now that they're a new person, now that they've been born of the Spirit, now that they've become aware, now that they're clean and sober for 30 days, that it's up to them to straighten out this mess called their flesh. It's up to them to turn over a new leaf. 
It's up to them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and change themselves. They're going to have to change the way they live now. It's up to them. Well, here's the spiritual enlightenment and the spiritual awakening we studied in steps four through seven. It's not up to you. It's up to God. You see, the whole program of recovery is God's program. In fact, when we studied step four, I at least mentioned to you, we didn't spend a lot of time on it like we do in the Alpha Series, but I at least mentioned to you the fact that God has a plan. He has a program for your flesh, for dealing with your flesh. God knows how to deal with it. He knows what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. And he's the only one that can. That's why I've added to our diagram down here on the bottom, this little H period, S period, stands for the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. That's God living inside of you, this new person you are. And what's he doing in there? He's dealing with your flesh. And he's got a plan. The spiritual awakening then is that God is dealing with it. That it's not up to you to initiate it. It's not up to you to make it happen. It's God who is dealing with your flesh. And he's doing so in his own plan, according to his own time schedule. Sometimes that frustrates us, but nonetheless, the reality of the spiritual awakening I'm talking about is how it is that God is continuing to save you, continuing to deliver you in every respect. But that's not the only spiritual revelation. Yes, we have a spiritual revelation about our new identity, and yes, we have a spiritual revelation or awakening concerning the fact that God is at work in us. But as we turn that relational corner and we make a list of those we harmed in step eight and became willing to make amends with them, and as we actually, in step nine, made amends with them, when you actually carry it that far, it's going to require another spiritual awakening. The spiritual awakening here that we're talking about now has to do not so much with your identity and dealing with your flesh as much as it does dealing with other people and their identity. See, it, it finally dawns on you in this third spiritual awakening I'm talking about that if God has already done everything necessary to make you a new person, if Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and make you this brand new person and you are in fact and do remain a new person even though you still have the same old body with the flesh in it, if that's true about you, then it's true about everybody else too. And that's a spiritual awakening. When it comes to Believing the gospel or the good news for yourself, we call that a spiritual awakening. But believing the gospel and the good news for others is also a spiritual awakening. Why? Because naturally, when we look at other people, we don't see the new person they are. When we look at other people, we see the manifestation of their flesh most of the time. When we hear them talk, we're hearing their flesh speak. When we see them act, we're seeing their flesh take over. And we don't, we fail many times to make the distinction between them and their flesh. This is why Paul was very careful to say this in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, from now on, from this point on, 
I will recognize no man after the flesh. What was he saying? I've had a spiritual awakening here. I realize that if the gospel's true for me, if I'm a new person created in Christ, then it's true for you. So are you. And so from now on, I'm not going to identify you according to your fleshly identity. I'm going to identify you how God sees you. I'm going to identify you as a new person. That doesn't mean I'm going to ignore your flesh or let it slide necessarily, but I'm going to believe that that's not who you really are, that that is not the real person you are, that you are, in fact, this brand new person. So all the way through the steps, and this is my only point, when we get to step 12, it says, having had a spiritual awakening because of these steps, all the way through the steps, we're having spiritual awakening. We're, we are learning more. We are getting more and more aware of the spiritual realities of how the gospel applies in our lives. And having had a spiritual awakening because of these steps, it says in the 12th step, we're going to carry the message to others. Now, in a sense, we've already begun to carry the message to others as we did steps eight and nine. And the others, particularly, that we wanted to carry the message to were those that we had harmed. But in steps eight and nine, we're still mainly concerned about ourselves, aren't we? In the recovery process, the only reason I'm going to someone else, those that I've harmed, that I've made a list, that I've hurt, and have become willing to make amends with, the only reason I'm doing that is to maintain my recovery, to move ahead in my recovery. I'm not really honestly going to them for their sake. I'm going to them for my sake. And if we're honest about that, and we get real about that, then we can, as we remember, we talked about this when we talked about steps eight and nine, we learn to deal with our own hatred that blew up that relationship in the first place, that destroyed and distorted that relationship in the first place. So it's a process by which we are going to them for ourselves to eliminate that hatred so that we can grow. That's why their response to us coming to them really is not of consequence here. Whether they receive us or not is not the important issue in steps eight and nine. What's important is that we are willing to make amends with them. We are willing to, to agree with them about our faults. We're not gonna to talk to them about theirs. We're gonna to talk to them about our fault. Now, in that sense, we've begun to carry the message by example only. I've had different folks in recovery come to me on occasion wanting to do not just a fifth step, but come to me actually wanting to do a ninth step. Now, I was a little bit surprised by it because they felt that they had hurt me terribly, apparently by what they said or did, and to be honest with you, I didn't even remember it. So it wasn't a big issue to me, obviously. To them it was, it was a big issue. I, mean, I didn't really care about it. But they, nonetheless, they came to me about that. But their example, their willingness to do that, their willingness to come to me in a ninth step and let me know that that's what they're doing was an encouragement to me, indirectly. Their own example was carrying the message back to me, 
okay, in that respect. So we, we get kind of a start on it, but in the 12th step now, it's saying more than that, we're gonna carry this message, doesn't mean that we're just going to try to mend the fences that we've torn down in our relationships in the past. Carrying the message means we're gonna carry it a little bit further here. We're actually going to convey that good news of the 12 steps. We're actually going to convey that there is hope for recovery. We're going to carry a recovery message more explicitly in our relationships with others. Now that puts us in a position to serve. That puts us in a position to be available to serve others and to make a conscious choice to be willing to do that. Not just in the, in the reparations that we might want to do in the steps eight and nine and repairing old relationships, but being available to help anyone in need of recovery. And so by the time you get to step 12, you are living out these steps with a spiritual awakening. To be honest with you, really what happens is that it's bubbling over and you just spilling out to other people. So it's not really much of a conscious choice. And that's the way they phrased it in the, in the you can kind of read between the lines here in the 12th step. You can say, they said, we had this spiritual awakening and we were willing to carry the message to others it's almost like they were saying we couldn't help but carry the message to others because it was just spilling out of us. Because of the spiritual awakenings that are involved in 12 steps, it is naturally going to flow out of you. And that's real important to keep that in, in mind because when they go on in the seventh chapter to discuss working with others, they're very explicit about this. They don't want you to carry the message in the sense that you're an evangelist that you've become the new Billy Graham for the world. I know Billy Graham's getting old, and you know somebody's got to take his place, and I know his boy's trying hard, but I doubt seriously whether you're going to be the next Billy Graham. But that's not carrying the message. That's not what they're really talking about. What they're talking about is you become a vessel that God uses to share the message of recovery with other people, and it's natural because it's flowing out of you. I'd say natural just in, in that use of the word just to show you that as this new person you are grows and it becomes more aware through these spiritual awakenings, it just flows from you. Okay, so they meant to say that. And right alongside of that, carrying the message, an important part of carrying the message is to practice these principles in all our affairs. That means in everything we do all our life, every aspect of our life, we're practicing the principles contained in those 12 steps. The principles of honesty, the principle of transparency, the principle of relational effectiveness, principle, all these various principles of the 12 steps that we've studied, we're practicing those in every aspect of our life. We don't just practice them when we go to a meeting. We don't just practice them at a church setting. We don't just practice them among our family or friends, we're practicing at work, we're practicing everywhere in the community, we're practicing in all our the affairs of our life. So the 12th step is really describing a lifestyle of recovery. Now, I've talked to you about a lifestyle of recovery all throughout this session, these 12-step sessions, because I've, I've purposely 
call it a lifestyle because I don't want you to think of it as a ritual. I don't want you to think of it as a certain set of behaviors that are somewhat isolated for a time. I want you to think of it as a way of living. This is the way you live. Recovery as a way of living is what I mean by a lifestyle of recovery. So it's normal for you in this lifestyle of recovery to recognize how powerless you are. It's normal for you to do a searching and fearless moral inventory on a daily basis to identify the presence and the intensity of the shortcomings and character defects of our flesh. That's normal. That's part of your life. That's not something you have to do to recover once in a while. That's, that is a normal daily part of things, that you're going to see that you've got some character defects, and it's normal for you to humbly ask God to remove those character defects. Okay, so it's normal. This is a no part of your normal day. And part of your normal day is to do a little mental record and listing out of people that you might have hurt and you've harmed and be willing to make amends with them. Right before class tonight, I got word from a fellow that someone was really highly offended with me because we're going to do a celebration called Oak Fest, and I have stepped on their toes by taking the name of their celebration that they've been doing for years. And, of course, there are a lot of other things involved in it, but they were upset with me, okay? Well, I'm going to have to make a mental list in my mind, and they're going to be on that list tonight before I go to bed. They're going to be on that list, and I'm willing to make amends with them. Otherwise, I'm going to bow up and hate them. And if I get mad at them this evening, and I go to bed mad at them without being willing to make amends with them, what's going to happen in the morning? I'm going to wake up hating them in the morning. Okay, why? Because I still got this flesh. All right, that's a normal part of my lifestyle. Something I have to do because I'm an alcoholic. That's not something I have to do because I'm a drug addict. That's a normal part of a lifestyle of recovery. To continue to do this on a daily basis and to promptly admit when my flesh freaks, that's normal in a lifestyle of recovery. To want to improve my conscious contact with God on a daily basis. I want to hear his voice clearer. I want to know what he's thinking. That's normal lifestyle. That's not, that's not some unusual, strange thing I need to do. You see, that's a lifestyle of recovery. So when we get to the 12th step, what we're really talking about is how do you live this lifestyle of recovery? Well, once you've learned the concepts and the principles of the 12 steps, and especially as we've sought to do it in our series here, we've connected it with the biblical concepts that we've learned, and the more you learn about this, the more it becomes part of your everyday experience. So it's not something you do on occasion. It's not something you, you do when you've got no other choice. It's not something you do when you're so deeply depressed you can't do anything else. It's something you do on a daily basis as a matter of course in your daily living every day. So when it, when it gets to the 12th step here, Understand that it's, this is just living out your life of recovery. That's all. 
Now, the other warning that I want to warn you about here, they, they do an excellent job, again, in that chapter on working with others. And I highly recommend that you read that chapter and you study it. But the other thing they, I want to warn you about is many people take the 12th step as a ritual to perform, meaning that because they emphasize your sobriety, your recovery depends on your willingness to live out a lifestyle of recovery, which means you're going to work with other people. It means you're going to carry the message to other people. And they recognize and emphasize that, but immediately they warn you about something. And that is about you turning the 12th step into a religious ritual of some sort that you're going to save yourself with, which ultimately leads you to codependency. In other words, anytime you start working with other people, you naturally become susceptible to this issue called codependency. Now, I'm not going to spend a long time on, on defining codependency for you tonight. I'll just break it down into its simplest terms, and that is it's when you base your value and your worth as a person on your ability to impact or change another person. When you feel like you have to change another person, you have to elicit a certain behavior or you have to change them in some, force, in some form or fashion in order for you to be okay, then you become co-dependent. And this is, this is the concern, and you'll, you'll see that concern kind of, again, reading between the lines when you read that chapter. You'll see their concern. They'll, they'll recommend to you, for instance, that you don't become an evangelist. You don't go out uh, on this uh, spiritual kick of saving the world out there. You don't become a Don Quixote and right every wrong. You don't become uh, a, a crusader out there to rid the world of alcoholics and drug addicts. All right? that, this is not your issue. Your issue is not to become uh, a savior of the world in that sense, but what you're doing actually is you're carrying a message to those who are willing to hear it. Now, the key to not becoming codependent is step 11. Now, remember what step 11 said. We're going to improve our conscious contact with God through prayer and meditation. So here's what we're emphasizing in step 11. We're emphasizing the personal, individual, unique way that the Spirit of God works in you as a new person to relate to other people around you. Now, obviously, he's going to do that in your relationships with us at home. He's going to do that in the, the relationships of those you work with and those you meet in the community. How is God leading you? The most critical issue that will keep you safe in a lifestyle of recovery is, in fact, the leadership, the personal leadership of the Spirit. And so tonight what I want to emphasize in this lifestyle of recovery, as you enter into the 12th step, what I want to emphasize is the fact that we left off with in our last study that you are being led by the Spirit.
consistently, every day, you are earnestly being talked to by God. He is telling you who you are and what he wants you to do every day. Now, I know you're like I am and like a whole bunch of other people. You have trouble hearing that. It gets fuzzy. You're not sure that that's really God's voice. You're not sure that that's really him talking to you. I understand all the difficulties like we began to talk about last time. But the point, nonetheless, remains that it is true. You, as a child of God, are led by his spirit. That means he is continuously leading you in everything you say and do in your relationship to others. The key for you doing that in a healthy way, living out a healthy lifestyle of recovery in the 12th step, is following his leadership. You see, many times you are going to be seeing people out there that need recovery. And there is a big difference, as you all know, between the people who need recovery, and everybody around them sees that and say, yeah, they need it, and the people who want recovery. And the difference is so important that the Spirit of God himself will work in you so that you're not going to waste your time and your energy on people who need recovery but don't want recovery. You see, when you, and, and the, they don't put it in these terms, but the writers of the big book emphasize this over and over again. They say, don't waste your time chasing people down just because they need recovery. Just because they need recovery doesn't mean that it's an automatic sign that you need to go talk to them. You need to straighten them out. You need to, to help them. After all, you yourself are in recovery, and you know what it feels like, so you need to go help them. No, that's not necessarily true. There are a lot of people that are going to need recovery that you're not going to talk to, that God will not lead you to talk to. Why? Because they need recovery, but they don't want recovery. The time is not right. How you know the difference? Personal leadership of the Spirit. Now, that gets as fine and detailed as not just what you say, but when you say it. So every aspect of your lifestyle of recovery and working with others, every aspect of you carrying this message to others and practicing it in your own, in the, your own life, in all the areas of your own life, is controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important for you to be fully persuaded in your own mind what God is telling you to do with regards to any issue in any relationship. It's absolutely essential. Now, I know that we struggle with that. I know that people have uh, go from extreme. They go from, if you even suggest that you might be able to hear from God, that you're off the deep end to people that swear they've heard God tell them to assassinate the president. Okay, I know there are all kinds of abuses of it. I know there's all kinds of extremes here. So let me give you just kind of the middle road acid test, if you will, of is this the leadership of the spirit or not? What God is going to be leading you to do? First of all, what he's going to talk to you about. 
Remember I told you before in our last session, what he's going to talk to you about, what he wants to talk to you about the most is who he's made you to be. So he's going to be talking to you about that. So a lot of what he has to say about you is, is going to be just about you. A lot of what he has to say to you is about the fact that you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. You need to hear that. Now, you need to hear that every day. You don't just need to hear that once in a while. The biggest battle I've had in my life is hearing that every day. Oh, I've heard it on occasion in ways that are loud and clear. That I had no question it was God talking, and I had no question that he was telling me I was his beloved son and whom he was well pleased. I am sure of that. But I don't need it just every once in a while. I need it every day. I need that reinforced in my mind. Why? Because I have personal needs every day. You see, every day I wake up as this new person, I have personal needs, and I need him to tell me every day that I'm okay. So he's going to be telling you every single day. He's going to be talking to you about you. Now, I know you're like I am. A lot of times you'll say, well, I really don't need God to tell me I'm okay. I need my wife to tell me I'm okay. I need my husband to tell me I'm okay. I need my boss to tell me I'm okay. I need my kids to tell me I'm okay. All right? And so I know we put other people in, in, in the place of God. But the point is that every day we need to hear that we're okay. And he's talking to us about that. And secondly, after he's told you who you are, that you're okay because you're his child and he loves you has a plan for your life. Then he's also going to be talking to you about what he wants you to do. Specifically, and here's the clincher, he's going to be talking to you about what he wants you to do specifically to love other people. Now, by loving other people, what I'm talking about is who he wants you to confront with the idea of restoring who he wants you to carry this message to, to restore them in recovery. Who he wants you to comfort, to come alongside and share the comfort you yourself have received from him, from your own testimony. Who he wants you to support, to build up without any strings attached. You see, God is going to be directing you in that. He's going to be leading you in that. Uh, it's even to the point where you'll have what seems like a chance meeting. You'll run into someone at Publix, or you'll be in the same sporting event as someone, and you'll strike up a conversation. Those are not chance meetings. If you're listening, God has given you an opportunity right there to do the 12th step. If you're listening, and you've heard, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. When you enter into relationships with other people, God will lead you in how it is you are loving them. Because that's why you're here. That is your purpose. That is the whole purpose for recovery. Recovery is not just about feeling better, even though we feel better when we're in recovery. That's not what it's about. What it's about is this 12th step of carrying the message to others 
about loving them. That's why we've defined recovery, ultimately, in the intense terms of recovery is not complete until you're loving other people like Christ. Then you're in recovery. Recovery from what? Alcoholism? Yeah. Drug addiction? Yeah. But much more. You're in recovery from the flesh, the self-centered nature of the flesh. Remember again how the big book put it when we were in steps four through seven, selfishness, self-centeredness, you can put in parentheses right behind that, of the flesh, we think is the root of all our problems. What are you in recovery from? You're in recovery from that self-centered flesh. And when you're in recovery from that self-centered flesh, God leads you specifically to love other people. See, that's how you overcome the self-centeredness of the flesh. It's by loving others. So all recovery is completed, is fulfilled in our lives by simply loving other people like Christ. It's not a task to be done. It's not a duty. It's a privilege. It's not something that is hard work. It's something that's spontaneous. It's something that's empowered and led by the Spirit of God. It's God's nature of love flowing through you to other people. That's what the 12th step really is all about. All right, we're going to quit here for tonight, let you guys process this a little bit before you go home. And uh, let me take whatever questions you may have at this point. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 